Have you ever started something and you didn't have a plan for where it was going to go, how this was going to end up? I, uh, I was thinking of a, a time that my brother and I and a friend of ours, we were on their family's property. I feel like they had 10 or 15 acres or something, but there were like woods all around where they lived. And so one day we started doing stuff and we really didn't have any idea where all of this was going to lead. We started um, by burning some trash in a trash barrel, not realizing there was some hairspray bottle or a hairspray bottle or some hairspray bottles in there and the fire kind of explodes all over us. We were kind of a little scared because this fire had exploded, but also we didn't really learn our lesson. So we went exploring and went up to the top of this mountain and thought, hey, how about we start a fire here? And two, this would be fun. And so we started a fire with made like a campfire and then caught a bigger log on fire and then eventually realized this fire is spreading it was spreading on the top of this it wasn't a like a, a massive mountain maybe a hill is a better word for it but it was uh, on this wooden hilltop a fire that just began spreading because we hadn't really thought where is this thing going to go we should maybe contain it we should get rocks we should do something so we kind of panicked, tried to figure out how do we put this fire out? Let's pour our water on the, on the log to try and get it to go out. Let's try and step on the other things. And then let's make a dirt ring our, around the hilltop. And then, then we just ran. So we made a quick attempt to try and put it out, made a fire ring, hoping that the fire wouldn't run, you know, jump across that, that, that dirt ring. And then we just ran back to the house. We heard, we heard nothing about an out of control wildfire. So. I assumed that the fire eventually went out and we kind of uh, saved ourselves there. And I was thinking of that story because oftentimes, especially when I was a kid, but you could probably accuse me of that now, is I don't always have an idea of where is this going to head? What, what, what's the end result going to be? We just kind of, I was just doing stuff. We just made a fire and thought, hey, this will be fun and not realizing this fire is going to spread. And if we add more stuff to it, it's going to get bigger. And the leaves on the ground here that where we were making the fire, they're going to catch fire. I feel like sometimes we go through life with no real plan for where this is all going to head. We have no, no idea in our minds. This is where, this is where my parenting is actually going to lead. We, we might go, hey, I'm teaching you these lessons so that you can get a good job and you can marry somebody and that you can be secure. and be, Like we might have some a small idea of where this is headed. But a lot of the time as parents, we get caught up in the heat of the moment just doing whatever like sounds good. We just do whatever like, okay, well, I think this is the right way for me to go. And really in parenting, I'm going, to argue, I'm going to argue that scripture really needs to be grounding us. Hey, this is the true future that we're preparing for. Not just the immediate future. Hey, this is what's going to help my family get through today. This is what's going to help my family get through this week, this, this season. This is what's going to help me raise kids so they can become 18 and they go off to do whatever job or school they want to do and they do okay. I think scripture actually gives us a clearer picture as parents, what, should, what future should be grounding and orienting our parenting, not just a short time scale of days, weeks, months, or even years, but on the, on the grand, what's the Bible's full timeline? What are we really operating with as we parent our children? So go ahead and turn with me to the book of Revelation, the very last pages of the Bible. We started this series looking in Genesis 1 to see how does Genesis 1 orient our parenting.
We've walked through Old Testament passages. We've talked through, walked through New Testament passages. Now I want to show you the very last two chapters of the Bible and how those should be orienting our parenting. Those should be a north star to us that says this is what we're really preparing ourselves and our kids for. So go ahead and turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. We're going to be looking at chapter 21 and uh, the first five verses of chapter 22. I'm going to start Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from the God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Let's pray. God, as we open your word, orient our lives, orient our parenting around this scene. Help us to know what you really are preparing us for and help us then begin to wrap our parenting around that for our kids. In Jesus' name, amen. This, uh, these verses here at the, book of, at the end of the book of Revelation uh, are, are written to give hope. It's a, the book is called Revelation. It's a, a God revealing this is what's coming. There's lots of images. There's lots of, there's lots of discussion about like what does this mean and who is this character and what does this look like? How much of an allegory is this? But the whole thing is meant to give Christians hope by saying this is what is true. This is what is coming. This is what the future is. And that's where we get to Revelation chapters 21 and 22. This is the end of the story. Satan has been defeated. God's enemies have been defeated. And then a new heaven and a new earth come down. And what I want to show you today is this, this call from this, this passage, is a call to us to orient our parenting to the new creation. Orient our parenting to the recreating of everything. The new beginning. So what I want to show you in this passage is four ways that we, we parent towards the new creation, as we parent towards the new beginning. Four ways that we parent towards that. First way, verses 3 to 5 tell us, call us to parent towards God's presence. That moment when we dwell with God. Parent towards God's presence. Verses 3 to 5 say, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This passage has been the promise throughout the Bible that God will dwell with the people, that I will be your God and you will be my people. And that's this, this passage, verses 3 to 5, say that that moment is going to come true in history. God's dwelling place will be with the people. And then it begins to describe it in terms that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He will destroy, he will, rem he will undo every tear from their eyes. 
There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. God says, I am making everything new. I am making all things new. And so the, the, this is a promise to us to begin to fix our eyes on that, that God dwelling with his people with no more crying, no more pain, no more tears. That moment when all things are made new and we are God's people and he is our God and there's nothing standing in the way of that relationship to begin to fix our eyes on that moment and parent towards that moment saying, I'm actually not just parenting my kids to get into high school, to get into college, to get a good job, to get married, to have their own grandkids. I'm not parenting so that I can have an empty nest and do the things that I want to do. I am actually preparing myself and my children for the moment when God's people will dwell with God. God forever and there will be no more crying no more tears no more pain can we begin to parent towards that moment saying God's presence will become a reality maybe that gives maybe that gives us some strength to go through the crying and the tears and the pain parenting can be a gut-wrenching experience when children rebel against us, when we're tired, when we, we can't fix the things, when there's a diagnosis, when, there's, when one of those things is going on, parenting can be a gut-wrenching thing. This passage promises that that will come to an end, that one day the tears will be wiped away. So maybe as a parent, you need to know that what you are going through is not permanent. It will not always be this way. God promises to wipe away, to destroy, to undo every tear. Maybe you as a parent need to begin to say, actually, there is nothing in this world that is going to remove the pain in the same way that dwelling with God forever is going to be able to do. Maybe you as a parent need to begin to say, am I actually orienting my kids towards this reality? Or is the promise that I'm holding out to them, is, are the things that I'm calling to them about, is that actually like a lesser goal. Are my eyes fixed on something else? This will be the moment when, I, when everything is made right in our lives. I was thinking about this. I am making everything new. I am making all things new promise that God makes. And I'm reminded of a quote that from J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings where Sam asks Gandalf after he thought Gandalf was dead, and Dan, Gandalf comes back. Sorry if I'm reading the story for you. He says, is everything sad going to come untrue? Is everything sad going to come untrue? That's a quote that we, that we often hear people talk about. Oh, there's going to come a day when even the sad things come untrue. But notice the difference between those two, those two quotes. Is everything sad going to come untrue? That's this kind of generic, bland, like, is everything sad going to come untrue? There's no actor. There's no promise. It's the, is everything sad going to come untrue? Beautiful quote, but it's very, um, let's say, impersonal. Whereas what God says here, I am making everything new. This is a promise of God where he is saying, I am going to do this. It's not just, oh, things will be made new, but I personally am going to come and make all things new. And so the call in this passage is for us to begin to parent towards God's presence when he will make everything new, when he will wipe away tears, when he will undo death. So the, the promise to us as parents is that the hardships will one day end. The hardships will one day end. One day we will get 
Not just an easy life, but we will get to dwell with God forever. He will wipe away tears. He will make things new. We will get to see him face to face. And all of those promises will come true. And so Christianity, for us and for our kids, has got to become not just morals and not just efficiency and not just how to have a good life, but an oriented towards the face of God. I, as a parent, want my entire life to be oriented towards the fact that one day I will get to see God face to face and dwell with Him forever. I want my kids oriented towards that. I am not trying to pass on discipleship of morals, of how to have a better life, how to do the right thing because you're supposed to do the right thing, how to preserve the culture that I, I love. That's not the call of Christianity to parents. It's actually to orient our kids towards the face of God, towards the presence of God, and bend our entire lives towards that. Can we parent towards the face of God? The second way that we orient our parenting towards the new creation is we parent towards judgment. Verses 6 through 8 tell us, He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The thirst, to the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. This, honestly, is the hard part of parenting towards the new creation. Because this lays out for us two ways. It lays out for us two ways. The first way is, to the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. The, to those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. This is this, this call. Hey, the thirsty, those who come to me, I will give them water without cost. But the other way, to the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Here are the two ways. Not the sinful and the sinless. It's the sinful and the thirsty. The people that will, the unbelieving who will never come to Jesus, who will never turn towards God, and those who come and drink water they cannot pay for. These are the two ways. And that this moment will come true when God sits on the, his judgment seat and says, have you come to me? Have you come to me or have you been unbelieving and said, I will do my own thing, live my own way. I will drink my, I will make my own water. God, I do not want you and I do not want your ways. This is a reality. And if we try to parent and leave out the fact that there are two different ways, then we're actually lying to our children. We're misleading them and not preparing them for reality. The reality says parent towards judgment, parent towards this moment where we don't just tell our kids, oh, you should be better. I want you to be thirsty and I want you to find springs of living water. And so then our, our discipline is called to, to change. So it's not just I want you to obey so that I can get obedience from you and so that my life can go better and so that your life can go better. It's I am actually disciplining you, preparing you for the moment where you realize all sin will be paid for either by Jesus or by you. I want you to know that, and I want you to know the free gift of Jesus is this offer to come and replace your sins with his perfection and strengthen you and change you and raise you from the dead from the inside out so that obedience and so that love and so that a new life springs up from the inside out. 
We are called as parents to parent towards judgment, to fix our eyes in that direction. What I love in this description of the two ways, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderous, the liars, the idolaters, the Bible says greed is idolatry. And so all of us find ourselves in that camp. But instead of saying to those who have given those up, he says to those who are thirsty, I will give water without cost. This points us to the reality that the good news of Jesus comes to us at, at, without us paying for it. Somebody else has to pay for it. The story of the Bible is the story that God made the world and he made it good and he put humans in it and he looked at the creation and said it is very good. And he put Adam and Eve in a garden and he provided food for them and said, and here is your work. And then he said, but you must not eat from this tree. And Adam and Eve and everybody after them said, no, we are going to live our own way. We're going to do our own thing. We will set up our own kingdoms. And so God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden. Sin was entered into the world in that moment. And following that was spiritual death and physical death, leading all of us to this judgment seat. Except God came as a man, Jesus, and lived the life that we should live, died the death that we should die, and was raised to death to life so that all who repent of sin, turning away from it and taking Jesus, drinking water without cost, things that we cannot pay for, will find the righteousness of Christ is for us. And so we can see the face of God and not die. We can dwell with God forever. So the, so the issue for each parent is can we... Can we orient our lives towards that judgment? Can we orient our lives? Can we say, am I thirsty and I want to be more thirsty and drink more of that water? Can we become, can we begin the, raising thirsty children? Not moral children, not good children, definitely not self-righteous children, but children that realize that they come to God empty-handed and leave with full hands, with full hearts, drinking deeply from the water of life without paying for it ourselves. If you have questions about that, please leave a comment, send an email, reach out because I want to make sure that you know that you are drinking from this water of life. The call to us as parents is to parent towards judgment, parent towards this. The third way we orient our parenting to the new creation is we parent towards God's perfect supply. We parent towards God's perfect supply. The verses 9 through the beginning of chapter 22 begins to walk through, this is what it looks like in the kingdom. And he, lay, he describes a city, verse 9, uh, he says, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me in the spirit to a mountain, great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God. He then walks through and says, this is that perfect city. Then he shows him in that city a perfect temple. We see it, verse 22, I did not see the temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. It's a city that doesn't need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it its light and the Lamb, the lamb is its lamp. And then beginning of verse, or chapter 22, he says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. 
and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will not need to be any light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. This, as he walks through the city, saying, here's the perfect city. Here is the temple where, or here's the, where God himself is the temple. Here is the garden where God is the sun. God is the light. God is providing. This echoes Genesis 1 and all of those promises. Revelation chapter 21 and 22 like echoes and like fulfills and remakes Genesis 1 and says, look at how perfect the supply is going to be. Genesis 1, where God made the world, and he made a garden, and he put humans in it, and look at all this stuff. Revelation 21 and 22 says it's going to get even better, where God himself will be the temple, where we get to dwell with God, and there will not be any curse, where the throne of God is going to be with the people, echoing Genesis 1, pointing us to this, the reality of the perfection that is coming, and the fact that God will be supplying that perfection. The, this passage calls us to fix our eyes on God's perfect supply that's coming. That's not a world that you and I know and experience every day. You and I know and experience a world in which the ground is cursed, our work is cursed, and things are hard. Where day after day, we, we worry about bills, and we worry about the future, and we worry about health, and we have all of these concerns, and we're relating to God and walking with God. We, we feel the difficulty of that. This passage says, fix our eyes on the time when that's not going to be real anymore. That's not going to be our experience when the perfect city comes, when God himself is the temple, when God is the light that we need. When the healing that we need comes from the garden that God plants for us. It, the call in this passage is to begin to parent towards that moment, thinking and orienting our lives to the fact that the, the, the emptiness and the need I feel now is not always going to be the case. I, uh, I talked to a woman one time who grew up in the Great Depression in Arkansas where things were really, really hard. And she told me, she told me that she never learned to cook until she was an adult and got married because food was so scarce growing up and her mom was so worried about wasting food because they had so little of it that she wasn't willing to teach the kids to cook because she couldn't bear something to be wasted, something to be burned, something to be lost. And so she never learned to cook until she became an adult and got married. And then that was when she had to learn to cook. And honestly, when I heard that story, I was like, I thought of what a loss that was. What a loss that was to miss the opportunity to teach your children because you're so, you're so worried about running out of food. Now I have a lot more sympathy for that, that mentality, honestly, because we're starting to right now live in that reality of we don't know what the future holds. So many people have lost jobs, lost income. They're, they're, they're lost some work. More organizations and businesses are on the brink here in our, in our world right now. I have some more sympathy going. I understand a little bit of what it's like to go, we might run out. We... We might run out. I, I sometimes hear 
People say, oh, you're just operating from a, a, a poverty mindset. You just need to change and have an abundance mindset. And at, at times, I see some truth to that. But looking at somebody living in rural Arkansas in the middle of the Great Depression, saying, hey, if you just have an abundance mindset, this food that you have will go a lot farther, seems to ring a little bit hollow. And so just to say, hey, it's, going to, it's okay, what you perceive is not real. That's something that you can say when there's lots of food and lots of supply and everything's okay. And God doesn't call us, I think, to do that. This passage calls us to say, hey, things might be hard right now. Right now, you might be like skating by, you, or you might be underwater and going, I don't know how we're going to make it. And God's not just like, hey, just change your mindset a little bit. This passage calls us to fix our eyes on the moment when then God himself will supply everything that we need and our experience will never run dry ever again. There is coming a moment when we will not run out because God is planting a garden for you and for me. There is going to come a moment when there is no night because God himself in all his glorious radiance will light up the new heavens and the new earth. There will come a moment where we're not battling spiritually to believe, to walk with God. We're not battling temptation because we will be dwelling in the temple. God himself will be the temple. We will be dwelling with him. See him face to face. There will be no more curse. And so the call to you and I as parents is to begin to fix our eyes on God's perfect supply and begin to live and parent in a way that heralds that coming kingdom. That is not our experience right now. And so the call is for us to begin to live in such a way that points to that reality, that raises children, that says, yes, right now we experience lack. Right now we experience night. Right now we experience the curse. But a day is coming when there will be no more night, when God himself will light up, when there will be no more tears, when there will be no more curse, when there will be nothing else to be healed from. And so we are called to live in such a way, to parent in such a way that says abundance is coming. The perfect city is coming. We will not always be experiencing this. And so we, we rock kids in the night knowing and praying and rejoicing in the fact that one day there will be no more night. We, we walk with diagnosis a medical diagnosis and a sickness that doesn't end knowing that one day God will make all things new. We, we look at our budgets and we say, one day I will live in a garden where my budget will never run dry. And I'm going to raise my kids with that mentality, like looking towards that, that moment, living for that, The fourth way that we orient our parenting towards the new creation, to the new beginning, is that we fix our eyes. We parent towards the work. We parent towards work. I want to show you the, the end of the last verse here. Verse 22, or chapter 22, verse 5. The end of this verse. After all this, and God's supply is there, this is what he says, and they will reign forever and ever. I honestly have never noticed that before. That is done in this order. A new heavens and a new earth are coming. God's going to make everything new. Judgment is going to come and we will dwell with God face to face. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. He will supply everything that we need. And then the work starts. 
and they will reign forever and ever. If you, if you remember when we started this series in Genesis chapter 1, the, the call in Genesis chapter 1, God puts them in the garden, gives, them, gives Adam and Eve a charge to rule and reign over the earth. This passage says that's going to be renewed. It's going to be fulfilled. That is one day going to come true. In a world, we've never known this before. We work to try and eat. At least that's how we think about it. We work because we need something. But that's not how God works, and that's not his call to us. In Genesis chapter 1, and then again in Revelation chapter 22, God says, I'm going to supply everything that you need, and then I'm going to give you work. And those, are, those two things are separate in both Genesis 1 and Revelation chapter 22. And so the call to us as parents is to fix our eyes on the moment that we and our kids, who, our kids who trust in Christ, that's our hope, is that they trust in Christ, is that one day the work will start. They will reign forever and ever. So maybe right now you have adult children and you're retired. And you get to take a break from work. But just know this is a break from work because the real work is going to come. Right now, you may be young and you're trying to figure out what is my career? What kind of job do I need to do? That's an important discussion. But just know that the work will actually start at Re in Revelation chapter 22 at the end of verse 5. And then they will reign forever and ever. The work is going to continue. And so the call to us as parents is to fix our eyes on that moment that what I'm going through right now is preparing me for when the work really starts. What I'm preparing my kids for is not a career now. It's actually for work that begins in the kingdom. My greatest work, no matter what your job is, no matter what books you write, no matter how great you rise in politics or in business or in your company or in your community, your greatest work starts in Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, when we begin to reign with Christ. And so can we begin to wrap our minds? I'm actually preparing children who will reign with God forever. I'm, I'm actually, I'm preparing little kings and little queens who are going to reign. And so what you and I are facing right now prepares us for that moment. You, what our kids are facing prepares them for that moment. Their education matters. Their discipleship matters. Their hobbies matter. The way we raise them and the way we love them and the way we rejoice in them matters because one day they're going to reign. One day we're going to reign and God is using all of these things pointing us to this moment. Can we parent towards the work? Can we fix our eyes on the work that's coming? So this passage calls us to orient our parenting towards the new creation, towards the new beginning. Fix our eyes on God's presence. Parent towards that moment. Fix our eyes on judgment. Parent towards judgment. Can we fix our eyes on God's perfect supply and parent towards that? Can we fix our eyes on the work and parent towards that? Honestly, most of the time, my eyes are not fixed in any of those places. This passage, this says, oh, we should do these things, also raises up a standard that you and I do not meet. My eyes are most of the time not fixed on God's presence, and I'm not parenting towards that. Most of the time, my eyes are not fixed on, the, on judgment. Most of the time, my eyes are not fixed on God's perfect supply. Most of the time, my eyes are not fixed on the work that's coming. It's actually on the work that I'm doing now or I'm doing next. 
And so where is the good news for you and I who fail to orient our lives and our parenting towards the new creation? The good news of the gospel is that Jesus came and lived the life that we should live whose eyes were constantly on his father's face, who had actually seen him face to face, knew him in full, and yet died with God turning his face away. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your face away from me? Jesus lived the life that we should live, took the punishment of God turning his face away so that you and I can know God's never going to turn his face away from us again because we have trusted in Christ Jesus is the one who was not thirsty. He was the living water poured out on the cross for you and for me so that we can come and drink without cost. Jesus is the one who did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, emptied himself, took the form of a servant, had no home or place to lay his head, knew what it was like to be hungry, for you, and then died in you and I's place so that we can know that there is nothing standing in between God's perfect supply and us. Our sin will never block that again because Jesus took that away. Jesus, who said, I am always doing my Father's work, died as a lawbreaker in your place and in my place so that we can parent with his record, so that, we can rec so that we can parent knowing that the smile of God is now for us and that there is nothing in our standing in the way that would make God frown when he looks at our parenting if we are in Christ. And we get his record and we get his identity, we get the smile of God on us, and then we get his power coming inside so we can orient our parenting towards that new creation. This passage this passage says, come all who thirst. Are you a thirsty parent? Come and drink from Jesus. Come and drink from Jesus to fix your eyes on God's presence. Come and drink from Jesus to fix your eyes on that judgment moment without fear. Fix your, come and drink from Jesus so you can fix your eyes on God's perfect supply. Come and drink from Jesus so you can fix your eyes on the work that's coming. Imagine what difference that kind of makes. This series has been awesome as we have taken a look throughout the Bible in Genesis and in Deuteronomy and in Proverbs and a couple times in Ephesians and here in Revelation. And we can begin to go, oh, this is a different kind of parenting. This is not oriented towards my past. This is not oriented towards my culture. This is oriented toward the God of the universe and this great future that we have before us. And so when we as a church are called to love every person living in every house on every block in the communities around us, we are actually trying to orient our children and their neighbors through our family towards this moment. That we become good news kind of people that say we're not parenting towards retirement or towards some kind of financial freedom. We are actually parenting towards perfect supply and toward a great work that's coming. And we want you to be a part of it. We become good news kinds of families when we orient ourselves and our kids and our neighborhoods around this reality. The North Star. The new creation is coming. We are heralds of it. Thanks for joining us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your good word. We thank you that from beginning to end, you have had a vision in mind for our families. 
You have a vision in mind for us. Prepare us for that. Give us that living water to drink from daily. Give it to our kids and give it to our neighborhoods through our families. In Jesus' name, amen.